But two weeks ago, we left off talking about Jacob. Jacob, the wrestler. Jacob, the wrestler. Jacob was a born wrestler. In fact, his name literally means he grasps, he wrestles. It also means that he deceives. And so I say Jacob was a born wrestler because he was literally born wrestling. That's how he got his name. He was grasping the heel, holding on to the heel of his older brother Esau. Jacob was born wrestling, and then throughout his life, Jacob, we see, as we read the account of Jacob's life, we see various times in Jacob's life that he never stopped wrestling. Jacob wrestled to be first in his family. This moment of weakness that his older brother Esau had. He comes in the door, right, and he says, I'm hungry. I've been out hunting and and, and camping for the last few days, and I'm famished. I'm starving. And Jacob plays in this moment of weakness, and he trades his older brother Esau a bowl of stew for his family's, uh, his, 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 uh, to be... (laughs) I want to say blessing, but that's not right. He trades Esau his birthright for a bowl of stew. And suddenly then, Jacob becomes first in the line, receiving Esau's birthright from him. Now, those of you who came to me after I preached that sermon, and you said, no, 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 Jacob didn't do anything wrong. Esau was the one that was in the wrong, because Esau was the ignorant one that gave up his birthright for a bowl of stew. Anybody ever traded your birthright for a bowl of stew? No, I would agree with you now. That's, a, that's, a, that's a, a, an ignorant move. That's, a, that's not a smart thing to do. But I would say this, church family... If any one of us see a brother or a sister in a great time of weakness and we see that as a a moment of opportunistic gain, something that we can gain out of the situation, we're in the wrong. Amen? Those of you who didn't amen that, I I got your name written down here, okay? If you see your brother or your sister and they are in weakness and they are in need and you say, hey, this is a time that I can really gain from this situation, I'll just say this flat out, you're in the wrong. To some degree, you're in the wrong. That's what Jacob did. He saw his brother hungry, weak, and he said, hey, here's my moment to gain his birthright, to take it away from him. So that's exactly what he did. Jacob wrestled to be first. Jacob wrestled to be blessed, to be blessed by his father. When his father, Isaac, was on his deathbed, Jacob, he puts on a costume he, he takes in someone else's prepared meal and he claims to be someone that he's not. He says, I am your oldest son Esau. Father, give me your blessing. When he's on his deathbed. I mean, I hope none of us have pulled that move over anybody. That's what Jacob does. Why? Because he's a born wrestler. And it might be easy for us to condemn Jacob 
for some of these attitudes, some of these actions, until we come face to face with the reality that each and every one of us are a little bit like Jacob. Each one of us are a little bit like Jacob. We wrestle, don't we? We wrestle to be known for something great. All of us, we want to be known for something great. We wrestle to be first, to receive and to achieve something great. We wrestle to be loved and to be blessed by our family and our friends. So I ask again this morning, church, what are you personally wrestling with right now? What are you wrestling with right now? See, I believe that God has given each and every one of us this desire to wrestle, this God-given desire to wrestle, a knowledge that there is more that can be, more that should be, and more that will be achieved through our lives. The problem is we take this God-given desire to wrestle and so often we operate within our own vision for, for the future. And we operate under our own strength, under our own power. That's where the problem lies. Not in our nature to be wrestlers. Not in this God-given desire to achieve more, to do more, to see something powerful happen. See, and this was Jacob's biggest issue as well. He had that God-given desire to wrestle, but he also had a personal vision for what the future would look like. That he was willing to deceive anyone necessary in order to achieve his vision for what the future would look like. Let's continue to look at Jacob's story. Genesis chapter 28 is where we're going to go this morning. Open up the Pew Bible, your Bible, or if you're following along on the Bible app this morning, it is outlined there for you. Genesis chapter 28. Genesis chapter 28. See, in much of Jacob's uh, uh, deceiving came... Because he felt inadequate in the eyes of his father. Much of Jacob's deceiving came because he felt inadequate in the eyes of his father Isaac. Remember that through Abraham, Isaac was told that he would be the father of many nations. And God said that Isaac's blessing would flow through Jacob. He told him that on the, on the day that both Esau and Jacob were born. It was pronounced by God that Jacob will be the one that will carry on this blessing from God. And yet Jacob goes throughout most of his life, throughout his young life, without knowing this blessing from God. So after deceiving his father, stealing his brother's blessing, Jacob's mother tells him to go and stay with his uncle Laban, who lives in Haran. But Jacob's journey to Haran would prove to be a pivotal point, a transformational moment in the life of young Jacob, the deceiver. 
Genesis chapter 28. Let's read from verse 10 and following. It says this, Jacob left Beersheba and he sent out, set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and he lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth, which, with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, the God of Isaac, and I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. And you will spread out to the west and to the east. To the north and to the south. All the peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you. And will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised to you. Now, church, I just want us to imagine. Put yourself in Jacob's shoes for a moment. This is the very first time he is hearing this blessing and it is coming from the mouth of God in this vision Jacob is seeing for the very first time the blessing that God has for him God's vision for his future and suddenly Jacob's vision his personal vision for the future is interrupted it is thrown completely off course because Jacob had a vision. This is what it's going to look like if I can just achieve this. If I can just succeed in this area. If I can just deceive this person, then I can get here where I need to be. That next step in my vision. But for the very first time now, Jacob's hearing that God has a different vision for his future. And it's a very, very good vision and God's promising, I will be with you. I will not leave you until I see you succeed in all of these things. Until you have these descendants and you have this land. Whatever it is you are wrestling with right now in this season of your life, the very first thing, the most profound thing, the most important thing is that we must hear God's blessing. We must hear God's blessing for us. And God's blessing for you might be a lot different than God's blessing for me. God's vision for your future might look a lot different than God's vision for my future. But it does not change the fact that that's God's blessing for you. God's vision for you. You might not like it. I might like, I might like lose, or God's blessing for lose life more than I like God's blessing for my life. But it doesn't change the fact. And all it does, if I chase after God's blessing for lose life... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wind up a tired, miserable person. Amen? See, but God has a distinct, 
personal blessing. I believe that wholeheartedly. God has a distinct personal blessing for each and every one of our lives. And we have to step into that. Not to ask him to to bless our vision for what the future looks like. But to step into his vision for our future. As individuals, as families, and as a church, we must align ourselves with God's blessing. And the most important thing there is that we first hear God's blessing. We must hear God's blessing. And that's what Jacob does. For the first time, he hears God's blessing. Verse 16 then. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. Now, he was afraid. And he said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone that he had placed under his head. He set it up as a pillar and he poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel. Though the city used to be called Luz. Bethel means house of God. Jacob awakes from this this sleep. He awakes and stirs from this vision that God had given to him. This personal blessing and vision for the future. And he acknowledges God must be in this place. This is the house of God. The very first thing we must do is see God's blessing. Hear God's blessing for us. But the next thing we must do after we've heard God's blessing for us is acknowledge God's presence. I thought I'd get an amen to that. I'll keep going. Ah, It's too late now, Becca. We must acknowledge God's presence. I don't think we're doing that enough in our lives. I'll stop. I'll just keep going. Read 20. Then Jacob made a vow and he said, If God will be with me and watch over me on this journey that I am taking, if he will give me food... To eat and clothes to wear so that I will return to safety to my father's house. Then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. The first thing we must do is hear God's blessing. If we're not hearing God's blessing, then we are walking forth in ignorance and we are walking forward in great weakness. And we will and we will find ourselves years from now down a path that leads to destruction. See, and and, and I think the, 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 the great heartbreaking thing in the church is that we think, well, if I, as long as I'm doing something good, then God's going to be with me. And it's absolutely not true. As long as I'm, as long as I'm giving to the poor, as long as I'm not saying too many curse words, 
As long as I'm not overly angry with a lot of people, then, then God's going to bless me. See, but we're forgetting the most important element, and that is to submit to God. We're forgetting the most important thing, and that is to commit to God. That's what Jacob does here. He, he hears the blessing that God has for him. He acknowledges God must be in this place. He acknowledges the presence of the Lord. And then the third thing that he does is commit fully. He says, I'm all in with whatever God's plan is for me. If God is with me, if he will watch over me, he's proven that he's going to give me food to eat and clothes to wear on this journey. So then, I will serve God as my God. He will be my God. I will give to him out of my life. Out of the blessings that he has given to me, I will give back to him a tenth. Amen. So I ask in our wrestling, in your wrestling today... Are you hearing the blessing of the Lord? Are you taking the time to pause before the Lord, even in the chaos of maybe it's even on a Sunday morning trying to prepare a sermon and stir the passion within yourself and say, God, I know that this is the message that you have for your people. Why am I not feeling it? And God says, because you're not submitting to me. Take a minute. Focus. Focus on the Lord. I, I, just read the, I just read the other day they said the average pastor prays for five minutes a day. The average pastor prays for five minutes a day. And my only thought was, where does that leave the average Christian? The average pastor is praying five minutes a day. Where does that leave the average Christian? Are we praying? Are we submitting to the Lord? Are we pausing before his throne of grace and admitting, God, I need you? And I cannot take another step without you? I don't think we're doing that enough. I don't even know most of your prayer life. But I'd say I don't think we're doing enough. doesn't matter how much it is. I don't think we're doing it enough. We must hear the blessing of the Lord. We must acknowledge his presence before us and around us and in us. And then we must commit to God's plan. Fully, all in, I'm committed. So then after this, after this vision that Jacob receives, after this blessing that he receives, he, he, he acknowledges God's presence. He says, surely God is, is here. And he names the place Bethel, God's house. He pours, he, he makes this, this structure of stone. He, he stacks them up and he pours oil on them. He anoints these stones. He says, this will be the house of God because God is in this place. And then he commits to God, God, you will be my God. I will serve you with my life. I will give to you a tenth. And then he finishes his journey. He makes it to Haran. He meets up with his, his uncle Laban. He begins to live with him and work with him there. And then we come to verse 14 of chapter 29. 
Oh, I'm not done. You thought I was done. I'm not done. I'm just getting started. This is the good part right here. Because this will prove to be, see, the transformational moment, the pivotal point in Jacob's life, the thing, the, the, the point when everything starts to turn around for Jacob. Second half of verse 14. After Jacob had stayed with him, that's his uncle, for a whole month, Laban said to him, just because you're a relative of mine, you should, should you work for me for nothing? Tell me what your wages should be. Now, Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah had weak eyes. That's a kind way of saying it. But Rachel was lovely in form. You get the picture. She was beautiful. Verse 18. Somebody laughed. I'm glad, Mary. Thank you. Jacob was in love with Rachel, and she said, I'll work for you. Jacob was in love with Rachel. Don't, don't forget this now. Jacob was in love with Rachel, and he said, I'll work for seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. Hindsight, I think Jacob should have yelled that to Laban. So verse 19, Laban said, It is better that I give, you to, I, I give her to you than to some other man. Stay here with me. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel, but that seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. Then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife. My time is completed and I want to lie with her. So Laban brought together all the people of the place and gave a feast. But when evening came, he took his daughter Leah and he gave her to Jacob. And Jacob lay with her. And Laban gave his servant girl Zilpah to his daughter as her maidservant. When morning came, there was Leah. Notice the exclamation point. There was Leah. That exclamation point shares with us the eyes of Jacob as he wakes up and sees Leah laying next to him. Oh my goodness. So Jacob went to Laban. What is this you have done to me? I served you for Rachel, didn't I? Why have you deceived me stop there for a minute I had to underline the word deceived in my Bible here in verse 25 Jacob the deceiver is saying to his uncle why have you deceived me you gave me the wrong daughter I married the wrong woman why have you done this to me? Why have you deceived me? Now I just want to back up here and say this. The Jacob we knew from, let's say, seven, eight years before this, he doesn't react the same way. The Jacob we read about the one that deceived his father on his deathbed, he doesn't react like this. The Jacob we read about seven years before this, eight years before this, the one that, that saw weakness in his older brother Esau and said, I need your birthright before I give you food to sustain your life, he doesn't react like this to Laban. And I just want to say this, even after we have heard the blessing of the Lord, even after we have seen God's vision for our future, 
even after we have acknowledged his presence in our life, even after we have committed to following God's plan for us, challenges are going to come. Deception is going to fall upon us. Burdens are going to be placed on us. Barriers are going to be placed before us. Even after we've done those things, as we're walking in God's plan, His blessing, His vision for us, we must remain faithful during challenges. Amen? We must remain faithful during challenges. And then verse 28, 29, and 30 tells us exactly what Jacob did. He threw a couple of punches at his uncle. He abducts Rachel. He runs out of town with her and he says, I don't care. Your dad did me wrong. He deceived me. So I'm taking what is mine. That's not what he did at all. Verse 28. And so, and Jacob did so. Laban replied, verse 26, I'm sorry, I better read this first. Laban replied, it is not our custom here to give our younger daughter in marriage before the older one. Finish this daughter's bridal week, then we will give you the younger one also in return for another seven years of work. And Jacob did so. Are you kidding me? Jacob did so. I got to tell you that a lot of people I know today, they wouldn't do so. They're, they're not doing what Jacob did here. Jacob did so. He finished the week with Leah, and then Laban gave him his daughter Rachel to be his wife. Laban gave his servant girl Bilhah, to his daughter Rachel as her maidservant. Jacob lay with Rachel also. He loved Rachel more than Leah, and he worked for Laban another seven years. So Jacob the deceiver, remember this, the one who took his brother's birthright, the one that stole, deceived his ailing, dying father on his deathbed and took his blessing, his brother's blessing, he sticks around and works another seven years for the wife that he, that should have been his in the first place? Again, the Jacob that we knew 15 years ago, he wouldn't have done this. He would have run out of town as soon as, notice that, Laban gives Rachel to Jacob before he's paid his debt. And Jacob still sticks around and works another seven years. We can learn a lot from this, friends. We can learn a whole lot from Jacob at this moment. As much as we condemn or even look down upon Jacob in his early life, here's the moment that we recognize transformation has occurred. Something changed in Jacob. Because he began to live out God's vision for his future. You know what? God has promised these, these blessings to me. He said he's going to be with me. Even he's going to provide food. He's going to provide clothes. He said he's never going to leave me until all of these things happen. So God, I'm going to walk in your vision for my future. Even when I face challenges. Even when my uncle deceives me and gives me the wrong daughter. Are you kidding me? 
We must live out God's vision. Whatever that is, we must live out God's vision. I said, what I find really interesting here is that, that, that Laban gives Jacob, or Rachel, to Jacob before he worked the last seven years of his commitment. There's something different about Jacob. And the difference is that he had seen God's blessing, heard God's blessing. He's living out his vision, God's vision for his future. Jacob doesn't need to be known as first or best by his family members anymore. Jacob doesn't need to trick or lie or steal any birthrights or blessings from anyone. Not anymore. See, when you hear God's blessing for your life, when you stand in God's presence, when you commit to God's plan, he will equip you to live out his vision for your future. How many of us have found that to be true? Amen? So what's the next step for you this morning. Lay that before the Lord. What's the next step for you this morning? Maybe in your life you've never truly heard God's blessing over you. Maybe that this morning, maybe that is what His Holy Spirit is challenging you to do. Just to pause in His presence. To kneel in his presence and say, God, I need to hear your blessing. God, I need to know what your vision is because I cannot do this any longer. I'm too ignorant. I'm too weak to keep going in my own vision, under my own strength and ability. God, I cannot do this any longer. And I say that this morning, it doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian it doesn't matter how long you've been following Jesus. Those moments are necessary for each and every one of us at various times. When we come to that realization, God, I just, I just don't know what your blessing is for me right now. God, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to pursue your vision, but I'm not sure what that is anymore. That's necessary for each and every one of us. Maybe that's the next step for you this morning, to hear God's blessing. Maybe the next step for you this morning is to acknowledge God's presence around you and in your life. God, I know what your blessing is, but I'm really struggling because I'm really struggling, God, to acknowledge your presence in my life. I'm really struggling, Jesus, outside the walls of the church to acknowledge that you're working and doing a new work in me and renewing me each and every moment of every day. Maybe the next step for you this morning is to acknowledge God's presence, to simply say, this is Jesus working in my life. This is his Holy Spirit working through me. Maybe... Maybe your next step is, is the, the, the challenge just to commit to God's plan. God, I know what your blessing is. God, I know what your vision is, but I don't like it. Can, would we be bold enough to say, I, I just, God, sometimes I know what your blessing is. I know what you're calling me into, but God, I just don't like it. That path looks much more difficult than I want to walk. 
God, I'd rather have, I'd rather have his blessing or, or his blessing. I'd rather walk in, his, in the vision that you have for his future than the vision you have for me. God, I just don't like it. Maybe that next step for you this morning is to commit to God's blessing, his vision for your future. And maybe, maybe, no, surely, we can all benefit by simply living out what God's vision for our future is. As joyful or as challenging as that might be. Let's pray. Holy and loving Lord, you are a good God. And you have blessed this church. You have blessed us as individuals so abundantly. And so, Holy Lord, today we... We pause before you. Because we want to know what your blessings are. We pause before you, Jesus, because we want to know what your vision for the future is. Lord Jesus, we no longer want to simply ask you to rubber stamp a blessing upon our vision our personal desires, for that will lead us to failure. God, we want to know your blessings. God, we want to feel your presence. We want to know that you are here with us. So often, Jesus, we read in your word of how your Holy Spirit is living and acting within us. We read of the power and the transformation that your, your Spirit brings to our lives. But God... So many people, they need, they need to feel your presence, Lord God, in a way, Jesus, that is undeniable, Jesus. So Holy Spirit, today I pray that you would come in a profound, transformational way, God, that this would be the pivotal point, God, the transformational moment in the lives of many, many people, Jesus. Holy God, strengthen us that we might commit to you, that we might submit to you, Jesus. That even in the midst of struggles, even in the midst of great challenges, even in the midst of great burdens, Lord God, that we can live out your vision as individuals and as a church, Lord Jesus. We need you, holy God, we need you. Lord God, hear, hear us this morning, God. As we lay down to you, Lord God, all that we are wrestling with right now. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. And we thank you, Lord God. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for the work that you are doing. 
in this place. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for the work you're doing in our lives. Lord, we give you glory. In Jesus' holy and awesome name, amen.